It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Gilbert Hernandez. Gilbert serves as the Chief Executive Officer of San Antonio Youth for Christ and is a veteran member of the Christian nonprofit community. Under his leadership, the ministry has reinvigorated its focus on helping communities through sharing the gospel with youth and raising healthy, resilient kids. In just the last 12 months, over 11,000 students have been presented a message of hope, and 3,500 students are being supported through weekly community ministry. Gilbert Hernandez, welcome into the corner office. Well, thank you for inviting me. Great, great uh, to great, be here. Wonderful, great to have you here. And uh, uh, it's a, still a hot fall day, but not not <laughs> only in San Antonio, but up in Connecticut. But uh, we're going to have a real cool podcast ahead. So yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> really excited about getting to know you. And you know, we always like to kind of start with the early years. And Gilbert, maybe you can tell me a little bit about that, where you grew up, and you know what your early family life was like. Yeah, I grew up primarily in San Antonio, did a couple of preteen years in uh, Michigan, but huh. realized very quickly that was too cold for our Texas blood. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it after a while, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get used to the 102 days and, uh, <laughs> you know, about three months of that. But then other than that, it's great golfing weather. I mean, the rest of the year. Exactly. So you get about exactly. three months of that. And uh, yeah, grew up, you know, uh, interesting uh, journey. My Actually, my father, uh, my stepfather, who raised me from the age of two years old, was um, he, when he married my mom, was was a drug addict. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And uh, had a pretty heavy drug addiction. And mm. in that process, um, uh, while he was running from the Interpol police in oh the mountains gosh. of Mexico, <laughs> uh, he came to know Christ wow. in this little chapel in a little town called Bustamantes, Mexico. And the only thing it's known for is witchcraft and bread. And so, <laughs> but God was there and it changed the trajectory of our family. Wow. That's awesome. How old were you at the time? I was uh, probably about five or six years okay. old at that moment, okay. at that time. And uh, yeah, it was, it really transformed where our family was going after that point. Imagine. Tell me about your mom and brothers and sisters. Mom, born and raised in San Antonio. Her father, my grandfather, is a World War II veteran. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, good man, raised uh, 14 uh, children, which wow. is, yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> how does that even, like, I'm struggling with two. <laughs> Was he an immigrant? Uh, he, no, he's uh, 
third, uh, no, actually fourth generation Mexican American, wow. wow. cool. and had you know so uh, had lived here quite you know many quite a few generations, but you know good, still good Catholic family. I presume. Oh, very good Catholic <laughs> family, and uh, to this day, he's had an interesting journey. To, uh, actually, last week we celebrated his hundred and first birthday. Oh, fantastic! Congratulations, yeah. that's Thank awesome, you. awesome. And yeah. so again, brothers and sisters, how many uh, did you grow up with? I have a uh, Three older siblings, a brother as the oldest, and two sisters. Got it. So yeah. you're the baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> although sometimes I feel like the older brother with the way they've, uh, our, our, our trajectories of life have, have taken us. That that's not uh, that's not uh, you know too rare. I actually can sh- say the same thing. You know, sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm the bigger brother as I'm the youngest as well. Sure. Tell us a little bit about some of the inspirations and you know kind of the impact that uh, your parents had for me. You talked a little bit about your stepdad. That's pretty significant. Again, I want to yeah. get into your your faith walk in a moment, but you know, sure. what are some memories of mom growing up, or or maybe your older siblings, and some things you recall from those days. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in a traditional uh, Mexican family, and so bilingual. Yeah, bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was interesting at church. We spoke Spanish, and at, at home, we spoke English. And and or as my wife has come to help educate me, I spoke Tex-Mex. <laughs> uh, she's from it. Mexico, but right, uh, right. she uh, she says you don't speak Spanish. You, speak you don't Tex-Mex. speak Spanish. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. <laughs> and but mom and dad, Spanglish is yeah, exactly Spanglish. So <laughs> mom and dad, uh, mom stayed home. Dad, uh, I told you about his yeah. walk. Uh, ended up. Um, coming to Christ and called in the ministry. And so, you know, when you talk about people who inspire you, uh, my dad, when he came to Christ, had a third grade education and he passed away now eight years ago with a doctorate in theology and planted eight churches around the world. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. Yeah. So, so I remember there was a day I was sitting with my dad and he just said, hey, there's no excuse for you not to succeed in life. Look <laughs> at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do now? <laughs> Inspiration for sure. Yeah, yeah. So when did you come to Christ and, and what role did he play in your upbringing? Yeah, well, you know, I told you my dad got called in the ministry and, mm. and you know, he he went to the people that he came from, which is yeah. a lot of people that were in drugs and alcohol. I tell people I didn't know I had my own room till I was eight years old because <laughs> you know, we always had someone at our house. Sure. You sure. know, he was helping people recover and wow. get free. And um, so I grew up in church and but. You know, it's one of those things, you know, having talked to youth now about their faith for over 20 years now, right. um, you know, I tell them, you know, you can go to church all day long. Uh, it doesn't make you Christian. It's not right. until you surrender your life. That's right. Uh, no more than me going to the airport and, you know, buzzing around the tarmac. Yep. It makes me an airplane. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's one of those things that uh, at the age of 18, you know, I had gotten a full ride. It worked really hard to go to, to get good academic Um uh, base to go to college, had a full ride to UT. And right. yet God says, I, you know, I didn't call you to be an attorney. That's what my, my, mm. that's what I thought I was going to be. Uh, he said, I called you to share the gospel with a lost and dying generation. Yeah. Gosh, well, you know, followers of Christ follow Christ, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. my pastor always says. Yeah. What about your school days? Were you, were you a good student, elementary, high school? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, yeah. For the most part, my my parents were really big about making sure that we uh, we were diligent in our studies. Again, like I told you I had a dad who had a third grade education, mm-hmm. and my whole life saw him in school studying. And uh, you know, you know, before he passed, had a had a doctorate in theology. My That's mom. Incredible. Did, did he go right into ministry right away? And, and after his, you know, his his uh, road to Damascus, so to speak. Yeah. And <laughs> he he did. He he had a he had quite the journey. And uh, when 
went into pastoral work and, you know, just was a diligent study of God's word and, and felt like he wanted to give his best. And part of that was educating himself. And yeah. Same thing with my mom. She had a high school education and she went on to get her master's degree. And so in our, in our home education had a high priority. And so I was, I, I was pretty good about, you know, keeping up with grades. And I, I just, uh, I, I would just say I always had my own plans until Jesus stepped in. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like. What about outside of school? Uh, were you involved in sports, music, theater, Gilbert? What, what kind of things did you yeah. pursue? You know, it's interesting. My mom, I always wanted to play football, basketball, but my mom had mm. this boyfriend that she, unfortunately, he had a terrible football accident. And when she was growing up. Yeah, when right. she was growing right. up. Right. Yeah, not when she was married. We want to, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Just want to clarify that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I knew that's um, what you meant. <laughs> yeah, my mom would appreciate that. Uh, but uh, she... Uh, uh, so he ended up breaking his neck and oh my became goodness. a paraplegic. So oh. I was forbidden from playing any yeah. sports. Yeah. You know, any she sports. Was like, oh wow. no, she was like, you know, you're 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 not going to do that to me. And I was like, mom, what about my life? Gosh. Anyways, long story. So I I got into debate and into theater, oh. and so Good. enjoyed that, you know, yeah. quite, quite a bit. And so I got to play basketball with friends, but I mean, I was never allowed to to do you know uh, kind of school sports. So. Well, debate's fascinating. You, you'd be surprised the number of CEOs we've had on the show that have come from debate. I was a debater in high school and then went yeah. on to do it in uh, in college as well. And, you know, I think it really trains your mind, right? It helps yes. you with regards to looking at situations, being able to understand both sides and, you know, good presentation skills, right? Yes, in in yeah. develop it. Have you found as you progressed in your career that those debating uh, days were a good investment of your time? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I see, you know, scripture says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord mm. and that, you know, uh, God doesn't waste a moment in our lives, but everything is in preparation for where he's called us, whether that's in the, you know, in the business boardroom or sitting on the, on the curb with the kid telling him about the wonderful right. love of Christ. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What about entrepreneurial things? Were you doing anything uh, in your younger days? You know, the ubiquitous uh, paper route or selling Christmas cards, those types of things growing up? Yeah. You know, I always had uh, kind of this entrepreneurial bug in in starting different things. Mm. So helped helped a couple of friends start businesses. I remember in college, I helped a, a friend or f church family who wanted to start this this restaurant. So I stepped in for like a year and a half, helped him manage yeah. it and developed awesome. it. Realized that I had more uh, entrepreneurial aptitude than they did and realized that this is probably not going <laughs> to end well. So I said, hey, right, you know what? Right. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. yeah so you kind of, you know, it's interesting at the young age, you start seeing kind of the 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 things you're good at. And you're like, sure. oh, not everyone else around you sees that. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. What kind of jobs did you have? Uh, did you do the su summer jobs or have, you know, jobs during school, high school or college? Yeah. Um, you know, primarily, you know, again, worked in doing some management, did a couple of, you know, uh, worked with different friends from the church. Mm -hmm. Probably the most formative job growing up was my dad was a migrant worker, his family, which oh, means okay. they would travel from, you know, the South to the North, they would work in the fields. And my dad did something that was pretty interesting. He said, Gilbert, you're, you're a pretty smart guy and you're gonna, you're, you're not gonna know what it really is to work with your hands. Mm. And he says, God's gifted you to really work with your mind. And he says, mm. but you need to know what it is to work with your hands <laughs> so that, so Wise. that when you lead people, you understand what they do what they do. And so yeah. he sent me for a summer 
uh, to go work in the fields oh, uh, between great. my college, high school and college. And he said, whatever you make, I'm going to double it and we'll get, and you, we'll buy a car. So there was an incentive, wow. right? Wow, so, absolutely. So he, was, he was pretty wise, but it did definitely incentivize me to finish school. And <laughs> sure. Were you literally out in the field with the day laborers? Oh, and yeah. Picking yeah. lettuce or? Yeah. Mm. Wow. He, he, it was up at 435 mm. and you work all day and you came and you ate and, him. and, and he was right though. I, I, I look back on that and I'm grateful to my father who, who made me understand what it was to have mm. a hard day's work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but he was also the guy that woke me up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and say, what are you doing in bed? And I, like it's Saturday. He's like, get up and do something, dig a yeah. hole or something. And well, you I was got like, something to, yeah, something to do around the house. That's yeah. terrific. Uh, was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd go to college? Was that an option on your own? How did you think about that when you were growing up? Oh, no. In our, in our home, it wasn't, if we're going to college, just which one? Wow. Yeah. It was, wow. it was, it was just clear that, that, um. Did your older siblings go? You know, and that's why I said our trajectories were different because yeah, yeah. Uh, my siblings uh, struggled. They they didn't quite take to the change in our family. You know, I was the youngest, mm -hmm. and so they got right. they right. got to see probably the stuff that wasn't the best out of our family. Yeah, and yeah. so they've struggled right. with that. And so, yeah, no, I I was the first in our family to, uh, other than our parents, to graduate uh, university. Yeah, cool. yeah. And how did you decide uh, what college to go to and and what major to pick? Uh, well, again, like I said, I was on my way to University of Texas in, yeah. in, in, in Austin and had a ride full, you know, full ride, yeah. yeah, full ride on my way there. And then the Lord just really called me into ministry. And my dad went to a local Bible college here, and that's where I ended up going and awesome. getting my undergrad. Yeah. Uh, and that's how the journey started. Yeah. Awesome. Did you go on to get your divinity as well or your master's? Yeah, I got my master's yeah. uh, vision university and just continued. And, you know, at this time, kind of thinking, you know, I always here my dad you know when he got his doctorate he again he looked at me and said you have no excuse gilbert if he said if, I, if, I'm, <laughs> if, if i can I'm, do it <laughs> exactly if i had a third grade education what excuse do you have and i hear uh -huh. that i don't know about you but i hear those tapes in my head every yep. once in a while yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think, motivators huh? yeah 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 cool so did you go right into ministry out of, out of college uh yeah kind of did i i did a youth uh I, 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 my dad pastored church, so I, I youth pastored with him right. and, cool. and did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then, you know, the door opened, uh, for youth for Christ, which was a pretty yeah. interesting kind of endeavor. And that was probably, uh, about three or four years after, uh, starting my career in youth ministry. When did you know you really had the calling to go into the ministry? Uh, for me, it was when I was 18, yeah. you know, I, I was always in church doing, and I was a pretty good kid, you know, it was always, you know, it was, it was in many ways kind of like the, you know, uh, the, the young rich ruler, you know, I did all the stuff that made sense, uh -huh. um, you know, for church kids to do, right. but, um, you know, at 18, I feel like I surrendered my life and, and part of that surrender was, my career change, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. had had a pretty clear path and, uh, had negotiated with God about what I wanted to do and what I wasn't wanting to do. And, uh, I learned that he doesn't like negotiating with us. <laughs> <laughs> His will not mine be done. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, uh, so, um, for me, that was my, I would say my, when I surrendered my life completely to Christ yeah, and awesome. started following awesome. him. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and obviously you have to really have a heart for kids to get into mm -hmm. youth ministry and, and what was, if there was one, a defining moment 
moment when you knew that was kind of your path and, and the one you've obviously been on for a number of years now? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting uh, question because the truth is, is, and God is my witness, I did not like teenagers. <laughs> not too many people do. Yeah. In fact, a lot of teenagers really don't like themselves very much. <laughs> very true. That's part of the problem. <laughs> and I remember uh, as I started this journey and I felt like God was calling me to go work with teenagers, uh, you know, I, you know, you know how everyone is like, Hey God, whatever you just don't send me to Africa. Right. So right, I'm like, I'll follow right, you. And we're just, right. I don't want to be a missionary to Africa. And so yeah. I was like, God, you can send me to Africa. Just don't send me with kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll go to Africa. That's great. And, um, and, and, you know, and he just said no. And I, again, it's, you know, I just feel like throughout our lives, there are surrender points, Yeah. you know, where he just says, you know, are you going to, if you're going to be a follower of me, do you really do you want to just say that or do you want to just obey what I'm telling you? And yeah, so for me, I remember turning in my prayer, say, God, I don't like kids. I don't like high school. I mean, I'd like to, I'd, I'd rather work with adults. Um, but if you <laughs> called me to do this, then you need to put your love in my heart for them. Bingo. He got gotcha. you. And, and he did. And so uh, here I am 20 years later. Oh, that's great. So, so when did youth ministry at your dad's church? And then you got involved uh, in Youth for Christ um, as, as an administrator? Or what, what was kind of your first job there? Or were you involved as a student as well? No, uh, I uh, actually knew very little about Youth for Christ growing yeah. up in our city. Primarily, okay. Youth for Christ had been working in the suburbs of our city, and obviously did not grow in that grow up in that area of town. Got and um, uh, but my youth ministry professor was uh, the Youth for Christ director at the time, and mm. uh, I had okay. started this conference um, working with kids, and again, kind of that entrepreneurial nature of just like. You know, I kept going to these big old conferences for youth ministry and my kids, number one, it was too expensive for the kids I was serving in the inter sure. and right. half of it, they didn't understand what was going on. They were like, well, you know, that doesn't really resonate with what, mm. with me, what they're saying. And so I was, I, I have these conversations with God that always get me in trouble because <laughs> I get all huffing and puffing like, God, this isn't right. And he's like, well, what are you going to do about it? I was like, yeah. well, that's not the answer I wanted, but this still isn't right. <laughs> right so long right. story short, we started this Airbnb conference and we went from three years from having about 90 kids the first year and four years later, about 4,000 Airbnb kids coming wow. together wow. and we, we were reaching kids. And so out of that, I said, I don't want to just have a conference like God what is in your heart and he says I want to I want I want to help these kids take their their uh, the gospel back to their schools so mm. we started planning what we call student led clubs mm. um under uh, in 1994, under uh, Clinton, uh, the law gave us the ability to have equal access with all clubs, including Christian clubs. Yeah. And so we got access to public schools. And so we planted 18 of these student-led clubs across the city. Awesome. awesome. And so that's kind of how... Uh, and then because of that, I was inviting my youth ministry professor who happened to be the director of Youth for Christ. And as a good Youth for Christ uh, staff person, he started to recruit me and he was like, hey, do you want to do this uh, somewhere else? And so, Great. yeah, that that opened That's the door. To it. Wow. Yeah. And so I started doing these student-led clubs and in, in training and developing youth pastors and, and urban students. Awesome. Awesome. And so when did, what, what was the role when you kind of officially joined Youth for Christ in San Antonio. I was the um, uh, the student led direct the student led okay. city director. So I was starting all these student led clubs, and I was and about 20, 20 years ago. You said, uh, yeah, just about, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did and that did about. You 
Good. Two years, two years. Oh, two years. Yeah. And did you start managing people in that role or did that come later on? Uh, I was managing a, a, quite a few volunteers. Yeah. Right, so, right. so it was probably a team about maybe 60, maybe about, you know, 60 volunteers. So awesome. we would gather youth pastors, we train them, and then we'd go back in and train them how to support the, their kids that are doing this in, in the public school sector. You know, for some of our listeners who, you know, of course, are uh, both within the Christian community and outside, um, you know, I'm certainly very interested to hear, you know, what leadership is like with volunteers, you know, because it's obviously not the same sort of thing in a company environment. Share with us some of the lessons you've learned and, you know, maybe what's different or what was different for you uh, in terms of, of managing and leading volunteers. Yeah, that, that's a great that's a great question. I, I think over time, probably the biggest aha I've taken out of leading volunteers is the ability that your that the relationship will move at the speed of trust. Mm. Oh, I like that. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes you know, with with, with volunteers, uh, what you have to do is establish trust. Hey, we're yes. going to, you're, you're, you're coming into a safe space. We're going to support you in this. And then, then, then you can move into influence, but mm. trust is that first currency. You know, do I trust the organization? Is it, is it doing what it's saying it's doing? Cause I think most people want to do good. They want right. to help, yeah. but they also don't want to waste their time. Right. right. So uh, if we can establish on the front end, hey, this is a trusted place. Uh, we're doing what we say we do. Uh, we're going to support you. And then we're going to actually do what we say, how we're going to support you. Uh, it's amazing. We have volunteers mm. that have been with us over 10 years. Oh, yeah. And so I, I can go on to talk about some of, uh, we have right now a group of, was it 39 this year, young leaders that are dedicating 15 hours a week donating their time wow. to youth for Christ. I mean, we've got an army now. So right now, all across our organization, we have about 780 volunteers. That's fantastic. And how many kids are you serving overall? Uh, just under 9,000 across. 9,000. Yeah, 9, and that's the across greater the San Antonio area. Grant, greater San Antonio area. Yeah. We've yeah. had seasons up to 11,000. Oh um, but, but this particular year, 2019, it's about 9,000 students. Yeah. God bless you for that. So, so developing trust, tell us a little bit about that. What does that look like in day to day? You know, you get a new volunteer that starts and maybe you're remembering back or, or some of the principles that some of your folks are doing today, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, tell, share us a little bit about what that looks like day to day. Yeah, I, I think it starts off with a great intake process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that when you're encountering someone, you know, trust is built by a repetition of uh, saying or doing what you said you were going to do. Mm, right. And so I think that and, and I would say that applies also just to our not just to volunteers, but also to great employers. Absolutely. That when I look yeah. at that, that if if I'm going to give some, if I'm going to give a part of my life, which is really what we're asking people to do, we're asking them, will you trust us to come work and we're going to pay you for something? Mm -hmm. And, but I think more and more, especially the millennial generation, they don't want to just get paid. They want to invest right. their life into something. But a part of that is that, you know, do we really do what we say we're going to do? And so mm -hmm. starting with just our intake process, do we follow up with our volunteers, background checks? Do we 
train them as we say we're going to do? Do we show up on time to honor their time because they just got off a full days of work, maybe to even have dinner and are walking in to help and love and serve kids. So those little things seem like they might not that big, but just being there early, making sure that we're doing everything in our power to set them up for success. And when they do, it's, it's, I could just, it's a beautiful thing to watch Mm. when you see a volunteer just, you know, we, we take them in this trajectory, what we call our PEO system. Mm -hmm. And that is um, some that are participants, some that are engaged. And then we ultimately, we want to move all our volunteers into ownership. Right. And so that, you know, participant comes in and they kind of help with something and they'll hand out cookies. And, mm-hmm. and then there's those who are engaged who say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to really start you know, investing heavily amount in time uh, that I'm involved with something. But then the owners are not only engaged and participating, but they're also inviting others into that process. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when we learned that and turn that corner, that's when we went from about 200 volunteers up to almost 800 at this wow. point. Wow. Wow. Just a real jump off point. That's awesome. When you joined, did you ever think you'd become CEO? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I was wasn't in your sights. (laughs) I was glad somebody was paying me to love kids. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) What a turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Not at all. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the advancement. How did that take place? Did you have folks that mentored you, good bosses, bad bosses, people you learned from? What was the process for you getting to the corner office there? Yeah, I uh, I started off, you know, just uh, doing the best I could where I was at and yeah. had a, a a good director. I think he was doing the best he could, but just also at the point where he was, um, you know, he was kind of at the end of his tenure. He had been here right. quite a few years and right. it was evident. And then um, so... Uh, you know, again, started off just as uh, as a staff guy working with kids in public schools. Two years later, became the um, ministry director, and mm. then a year after that, ministry director, and then a year yeah. after that, became the executive director. That was wow. interesting. Yeah, wow. so pretty pretty quick uh, ascension there. Yeah, well, and you've got to remember at that point. Um, I mean, I, I'd hate to mislead your 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 listeners. I mean, it was so when I became executive director at that time because we were we were so small. before I became CEO, we yeah. actually grew the organization. It was me and one staff guy. I mean, that wow. was wow. it was, and he was he was fifty eight years old. So yeah. Yeah. I wasn't exactly inheriting a great uh, a great <laughs> Big organization. organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. you built it, and that's important. And and how many staff uh, full time staff do you have now? Uh, full time staff, we have uh, just under. At 29, uh, just around 70 total. That's and great. So, and, and how many volunteers you said about? Uh, just over 700. 700. I mean, well, wow. just under 800, but 780 for this, the last That's report awesome. I got. Yeah. So big question. How was Christ involved in that effort? <laughs> well, I just followed him. <laughs> That's yeah. all I did. Well, yeah. you know, and the, the beautiful, I think, you know, the, the beauty of this is, you know, if someone has said, hey, Gilbert, you're going to, you're going to you know, start off with your dad at this church and you're going to go work with you for Christ. And, you know, here's where you're going to be a couple of years later. I would have been like, you're crazy. There's just no way. Right. Uh, but Jesus, you know, and uh, it's been an everyday, you know, growing. And you know, what I love is that if I look back upon my journey, I, you know, I look at it and the mile markers are faces, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. events. Right. There are right. people, people that got you've touched. Well, I would say people also that got bright in my life at strategic places. Mm, interesting. You know, um, 
like when our director, when I became exec director, our director left, but my board chair, Jimmy Young was just, he was an amazing mentor in my life. Mm. Uh, you know, he, ha- you know, I, I was, I was trained to, to study Greek and Hebrew and exegete the word of God. And, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden now I got to run this business. And then yeah. we went on a fast trajectory from about a $200,000 budget. And within six years, we're just under a million dollars. And, and then, you know, when we passed the million and a half mark, I mean, it was all of a sudden I was like, oh my Lord, like, I I, I don't know how to run a million dollar organization, (laughs) you know? And yet that's where organizations like C12 came alongside and they helped me really understand that it's all God's business and, Mm. you know, had some good mentors and training uh, in that process. Awesome. How would you say your leadership styles evolved over that time? Oh man, (laughs) I... What are you doing differently today, if anything? Yeah, you're doing, yeah. You know, 15, yeah, I think, years ago. I think the major thing is I, I've learned to trust more mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I think when I was younger, I, I had a lot to prove. I don't know why, <laughs> right. um, but just, I felt like I was always trying to prove something. Mm. And the, the, over the years, what I've come to learn is, is to trust the gifts that are in me and to trust the Lord that he will guide my path, even when it seems un, uh, um, even if it's, even if it seems unprobable. How do you, um, how do you let him lead you? You know, is there something that you do at work every day or something, you know, in your devotions, you know, what, you know, we, we're granted a daily reprieve, right? To reestablish <laughs> our relationship yes. with him among a number yeah. of, a lot of other things. What, how do yeah. you keep him rich and, and involved in what you do? Well, for me, it's, it's to have a practice of where the Bible says, pray at all times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when I was younger, I thought, well, man, I, that means I got to be on my knees all day long. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think really inviting him into the nuance and not get so caught up on that I know everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's many times I'm sitting in a meeting and in my heart and in my mind, I'm like, Lord, how do I address this with this person? Yeah. Right. Or, uh, or I'm Humble walking me. at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my flesh wants to do this right now. Right, right, and, right, right. Or just, you know, the Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom to ask, and he doesn't say godly, you know, he doesn't just say, well, if it's only ministry wisdom or it's That's only, right. you know, there's yeah. been business deals where we're talking about buildings and we're right. going to acquire something. And, and I'm sitting in the meeting like, Lord, please, like, I, like there's a lot of people who entrust their, their, their resources to you for Christ. I don't want to mismanage that. And, yeah. and there's been times where I, like something will come up and I'll, Oh, I'm so glad that came to light because it would have been a bad decision. And, sure, and I sure. think there, you know, that applies to all businesses that no matter where you're at is, is God cares about the little things. Um, if we just invite them and it's amazing how smart we look after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, humbling yourself to the Lord, right? Yes, you know, and, uh, yeah. Allowing uh, him to God and look, keep keeping the ego out of the way. What about, you know, company culture? You know, what, what would you describe or what, you, what would you say is unusual or unique about youth for, youth for Christ culture in San Antonio? We really believe in living life authentically with one another, mm. warts and all. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's such a rarity today. Yeah. Like we, we, we really believe in understanding the grace and love with one another and, and understanding that there's a high level of accountability. Right. But, but at the same time, we will walk with brothers and sisters who are struggling. Mm. And so, and, and then not, and so that's created a culture that says I can be who I am 
And um, and I think secondary to that is an entrepreneurial culture. Mm. Like we we want to, if we're going to be with kids, right. uh, what we did five years ago isn't going to work anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's so and true. So, Got to keep it fresh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just like any other business. Yeah. yeah. And so, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and you're part of a global organization as well, not even just mm-hmm. a national organization. Do you, do you kind of share stories and connections with other, you know, EDs and uh, CEOs in other places uh, that, that are, you know, doing youth for Christ ministry? Yeah, I mean, Youth for Christ has a great uh, network, again, like you said, not just nationally, but internationally. And so we've been able to, you know, build strong relationships. I also get the privilege of serving on our national board. We're Mm. structured a little differently, where they have three lay leaders from the field. And so that allows me to have access to, you know, pretty high level processing and thinking and allows me to grow contribute, but also grow in, in that, in that uh, environment. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. And, uh, you know, you're obviously hiring people, bringing people into the organization. And I'm sure some of our listeners, uh, you know, looking at their career, maybe they're in college or taking a look at opportunities outside. You know, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you want to invest in and hire? I look for people who are willing to work at whatever is in front of them. Mm. Um, and so s- some of that is like in our intake process, we'll give someone an opportunity if we're having, let's say we're, they're going to be a club speaker, we'll, we'll tell, they'll have them arrive for the, for the, for the interview and we'll just throw them a monkey wrench and say, Hey, we want you to present on this. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, really and think on their feet then, huh? Well, but here's the thing. I mean, if, if you're in the environment with kids, that's, that's a constant. That's right. Like you're always going to be asked questions you're not prepared for. You're always going to be, you know, and so my, what I'm looking for is not a great presentation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I'm looking for is, are they willing to get in and try? Right. Right. And unfortunately, it seems like there's, there's analysis paralysis with a generation arising coming into the workforce Mm. where they'll just think too much about it and I'm not ready and, and I don't know if I can do this. And, and unfortunately, I mean, they're extremely sharp. Uh, yet sometimes we'll under, if you don't, if you don't have enough, at least enough belief in yourself that I'm going to try this, then this is probably not the best place for you. Yeah, yeah, um, that's so true. So it's not looking for perfection. It's just saying, are you willing to just try and get in there? Right. And, um, we can train the rest, right? you know, right. but, uh, it's kind of hard to, it, what's the old adage is that it's, it's a lot easier to move a, a, a car that's that's already in motion versus one that's standing still. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And do you get involved in a lot of the interviewing, both with regards to the volunteers as well as the full-time staff? Volunteers, no. I mean, we've yeah. at this point now in our structure and with staff, uh, really, I it's only in, in our top tier staff right. that I mean, right. we I've been blessed to have a really great team, and so we've just created the cultures and, and the values that drive those interview processes. What are some of the key questions you like to ask in interviews? Uh, tell me about the hardest thing you've ever done, mm. and and just let that roam, mm. um, because I think. I think for me, again, you know, most of our our hires are younger, newly graduated. Um, you know, that's the demographic that we're right. hiring into youth ministry. It's right. rare that we're going to hire someone that's a little older. Not impossible, but it's just not our key demographical hiring. Yeah. Yeah. And what we try to see 
is one of the biggest challenges this generation has coming in is resilience. Mm. Is the ability to say, I'm going to take some hits and still push on. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to look for constantly is like, if you can push through, cause it's not a matter of if it's going to get hard, it's when, mm, and, so and, true. and, you know, again, like everything else I can train you on, but your heart, if you ain't got grit, if you don't have heart to push through stuff, then it's very challenging. You can be very gifted, but if you don't want to push, then it's not going to go anywhere. Right. right. You know, and, and I think about leadership at, and as a whole part of you of good leaders is the ability to walk through difficult situations with grit and not having all the answers, not having it all complete, but just the willingness to say, I'm going to push through. And it's amazing how, how God mm. helps us in those seasons. Amen. Terrific. Well, uh, Gilbert Hernandez, CEO of the uh, Youth for Christ organization in, in uh, San Antonio. This has been terrific. We do have one last question, though, we'd like to ask everyone. I know you've been very generous with your time today, but, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has joined a nonprofit, you know, is thinking about the career in that? Maybe they have the same sort of heart and love for a youth ministry that you do. And, uh, you know, if you had to look back and say 20 years ago, what you done differently or what would you like to give someone? as advice, but what would that be? Uh, yeah, I saw that on, on the list of questions and I just, I've been thinking about that a lot. So I just, three quick things is number yeah. one is um, ask your father what he wants you to do. Because mm. I think there's so many people in this world and, and for those who maybe are not of faith, uh, just encourage you, just sit down in a quiet place mm. and 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 really just ask the Lord, what did you create me to do? Yeah, yeah. And 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 dive into that because I think there's so many people going after career choice and money and mm. status. And I've I've seen a plethora of people because I I work raising money and 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 people who have multi millions of dollars and are completely unsatisfied with their yeah, life. So true. I see it too. And so. Don't pursue money. I'm not saying don't get paid for what you do. Uh, I'm just saying don't make that the only priority. And then number two is whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Mm, yeah. Go at it. I mean, give your all. Into, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Do, get there early. Do all the stuff nobody else wants to do because then you get to do the things that nobody else wants to do. And I think that is, you know, if those two things, if you can just listen to what God's called you or think about what am I really created to do or what was I put on earth to do and drive into that. And 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 and, and I, I got to say this connection and it's, that doesn't mean that you start off doing that. Right. Because there's, you know, there are things that you start off doing that you like that you do, but they're just preparation for where you're going. Right. And don't don't despise those years where, you know, maybe you're in a sales job and you're like, man, I, how, you know, how am I going to do this? Or, you know, I don't want to be in sales all my life, but that may be preparing you to really That's become right. a great communicator yeah. and right. a great right. leader and selling the vision of your organization someday. Yeah. And yeah. those are It's tools. like debate, how de what debate taught you yeah. how to communicate in high school led yeah. you to be a better CEO today, right? You can yeah, analyze exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had a third one? Yes, a third one is just, uh, so first of all, what were you born to do? Secondly is do whatever you do, do it with all your heart. And then, and then thirdly is seek a mentor. 
Mm. Yeah. Seek, seek a sage in your life. Seek someone that is gone a little bit further. And I, I, I picked this up years ago when I found what I really wanted to do. I was like, it was my, it was worth my investment to say, Hey, I can't pay for consultant, but I can pay for your lunch <laughs> and I'm going to invite you to lunch. Often. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I would say, look, I'm not even eating. I've got my notepad. You eat. I'm, I'm just going right. to just shoot some questions at you and I'm going to write. And it's amazing how many people would be willing to invest in, in some young person or even, you know, middle aged that's, that has a desire and, and a willingness to learn and grow. And so absolutely, uh, if you can do that, th- I think you're going to be all right wherever you land. And what a great strategy too. I'm paying for your lunch, but I'm here with my notebook taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love well, that, Gilbert. Well, and that's the thing is that, that, that I've had people, you know, that ask me for help and they don't write anything they down. They don't write anything down, they, right. Yeah, you like, kind of think, oh, well, yeah, where did yeah, that go? Yeah. Exactly. But when I yeah. see a guy sit down in front of me, he's got a notepad and he's willing to write, I'm like, okay, this, that's this, motivation. this, this, this yeah. person wants to get somewhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Gilbert, once again, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.